Before we transition and I ask Steve and Pam to join me, it's, I think, critical and important for us as a congregation to pause and to reflect over the things that have taken place in our nation over this last week, particularly in Sutherland Springs, Texas, last Sunday, as that worship service was interrupted by an intruder who murdered half of the congregation that had gathered to worship their Lord. My understanding is that they are gathering today somewhere together as a congregation, as a church, that which is left, gathered by others around them to continue to worship and to proclaim the name of Christ. Um, it's hard to imagine such evil that exists in our world. You know, I hearken back and I remember back to the story of Scripture where Jesus on the cross cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus, bearing the sin of the world, felt like he had been abandoned, he had been forsaken, and he could only cry out in his anguish, in his pain, in his grief. Now what you might not know, and I want to encourage you to understand today, is what Jesus was referring to was a psalm. In Psalm 22, verses 1 and 2 say this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Oh my God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I have no rest. You can imagine, I can't even imagine, the grief, the pain, the hurt, the forsakenness that folks have felt in the matter, in the face of this evil, crying out to God, sensing that there is no answer, not being able to sleep because of their fear, because of their anger, their grief. And yet if we'll continue to read that psalm, we'll begin to find the hope of Christ. We'll begin to find how we can deal with the situations and the times where we experience forsakenness and we feel like God is not listening, we've been abandoned, where we cry out, where we can't sleep. In verses 3 through 5, the psalmist says, Yet, yet, O God, this God that has forsaken us, yet you are holy. And in our fathers, you they trusted. And to you they cried out, and they were delivered. In you they trusted, and they were not disappointed. In the midst of forsakenness, in the midst of abandonment, what do we say? What, where do we go? How do we make it through these times? And it's only by looking in the past and seeing God's faithfulness and love in the past to know that He is still with us in the present. And that if we'll continue to put our faith and our trust in God, even as we cry out and feel like there is no one answering, no one listening, we can be faithful that God is trustworthy and faithful and loving and that God is still with us just as He was with us in the past. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this honest and raw emotion that we hear from Jesus from the cross who cried out in His forsakenness 
We thank you for the psalmist who was able to, to pin these emotions and these words, who, who also pinned these words of abandonment, of forsakenness, of, of seeing the crisis and the evil around and not having answer and not having response, only to cry out to you. Lord, there are times when there just are no answers. And there are times when we can't sleep because of the, the pain and the hurt and the anger the evil that we've experienced. But oh, may we follow in the faith of those who've gone before us and may we continue to cry out and may we continue to trust because you are faithful and you are loving. And even in the midst of our, our pain when we can't understand and we can't feel like we can go on, that we can still trust you. Give us this courage. Give us this faith. And we pray for the people of Sutherland Springs. We pray for those of Las Vegas. We pray for those of New York City and of all the tragedies of late we have, have heard about and read about. May this evil not turn them away from you. Yes, may it cause them to cry out to you, even in their forsakenness. And may they discover a God who is faithful, who will not disappoint if we'll continue to put our faith in you. Lord, bring healing, bring hope, bring peace to First Baptist Church of Sutherland Springs, Texas, the families and the people there whose lives have been changed forever, whose lives have gone on into eternity to be with you. Father, we cry out to you and give thanks that you hear our prayers. For it's in your name we pray. Amen. Now I'd like to invite Stephen Pam, former staff members, to come and to join me on the stage. We're going to make a few transitions here. Stephen Pam, good morning. I was, let's see, y'all came in 1983, right? Yes, we did. Okay. I was just a young pup. I was a sophomore at OU, a member here at First Baptist, and Stephen Pam came to lead our youth here at First Baptist. They came from a real hardship call, I believe in Hawaii, to come to Norman, Oklahoma <laughs> to, to, uh, to, to be the youth ministers here. And um, one of the things I understand, Pam, is one of your projects was helping to create and collect the patterns from any of these flags that have been created. So this has been a, a custom, a tradition in our church for many years of celebrating the nations of the world and the opportunity that we have to live and to work among the peoples of the world. So um, as we celebrate these flags, as these nations, these people, as you look around, uh, how many of these nations have you all had the chance to, to, to be in and to work among? Most of these. Um, I've been to about 110 countries in total, but through our work, uh, God has allowed us to 
work cross-culturally and have the experiences in these cultures. Well, tell us a little bit about your work. When we were here in Norman, uh, one of the things that we did was we did community outreach in different places uh, with the young people and with adults through sport. And uh, through that, it led to our conviction that uh, it's effect an effective way to, to impact people's lives and led to our conviction to go to the nations uh, to touch their lives. And so we started a sport consulting and development company to take us into these countries. And for the past 25 years, our uh, work with Olympic committees and sport federations, professional clubs, and, and uh, different uh, ministry of education in the countries has given us many opportunities uh, to promote sport, but also uh, to reach out and change lives. So going out and doing sports consultation, talk about the, the passion, talk about, talk about that motivation. What is it that would, would cause you to go and to have this interaction with the peoples of the world and, and to invest and to, 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 to meet with them and work with them? started for us here. Um, I was doing education about uh, places that are hard to reach with the gospel, that are um, anti-Christians. Um, and then using all the things that we'd used here in sports and just looking at our own lives, it became a why not question. Um, I think scripture is full of God's call in our lives to be involved with the nations, but one that has stuck out to me this year in my own reading through the Bible is from Isaiah chapter 49. It's a prophetic um, passage talking about Israel as God's servant and then the coming Christ as his servant, and then I think that thus then it applies to us as servants of the kingdom of God. But he says, um, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant just to raise up the tribes of Jacob and restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also make you a light of the nations so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. And I'm really convinced that it's too small a thing for us to think that our own lives in the kingdom of God can't have an impact to all the nations. Very good. Now, Steve, I know that you're just back from Beirut, Lebanon. Tell us about some of the work that you've been able to do, do there. In the course of our work in North Africa, Middle East, Arabian Peninsula, and throughout Asia, we see many needs and many uh, heartbreaking things that are happening there. And uh, the Syrian refugee crisis is certainly one of those. And so uh, in a humanitarian effort, we, uh, we did a, a sports camp for Syrian refugees. Uh, about 350 of them were involved in these, uh, the camps that we did. And it's just trying to reach out and provide hope and nurture and love to these whose homes were destroyed and reduced to rubble, whose families were executed. Um, they're homeless, and uh, so we try to provide hope for them. Now, Beirut is just one story. Are there some other stories you could share with us today about uh, some of your work in some of these different countries? Uh, well, briefly, but first let me thank this church because you actually supported some of the uh, some of the efforts that we did in that refugee sports camp, and so thank you for that. It allowed us to uh, to expand it and bring more of the young people there. Uh, most of our work is with uh, elite athletes and with the federations, uh, training coaches, and all. Uh, I remember when we took uh, three basketball teams in successive years to Iran uh, to a basketball tournament, and uh, they were all. Uh, persons that would understand our work. And so that provided more opportunities in that country through volleyball and uh, uh, baseball and other things just in that country. So uh, 
we got a job in another country in the Middle East at Iran's recommendation. <laughs> so it's, it's amazing how uh, God uses those experiences to place us uh, among the nations. I know uh, I traveled a lot, and so when the, our daughters, Stephanie and Emily, uh, we're growing up, uh, I needed to go places when they were out of school, so okay, everybody comes. And so during spring break one year, I needed to go to visit uh, with the sports commission in Tibet. So the whole family went, and uh, it was interesting because uh, Stephanie had braces at the time, and uh, all the, the ladies wanted to know how they could adorn their mouths so beautifully <laughs> like that. And Emily started she was following us along, and she was whimpering, kind of crying, and I was like, come on, Emily, keep up, come on. Uh, and she says, they keep pulling my hair. Uh, well, why? And we learned her hair, our daughter's hair is red. Both of them have red hair. Not real common in Asia, in the Middle East, and in Africa. So, um, they, uh, they wanted this hair uh, because it had some special power. It was different. Uh, and it gave us a chance to have conversations. Very interesting times. Very good. Stephen Pam, the scripture compels us all, all of us, to live out of our to live out of our faith as we go into the nations. We've heard from Stephen Pam uh, about doing that. So share with us some of the, the things and ways that you're living that out as you go. Well, obviously the work the work through Pam, the company. I'm sorry. Yeah, Pam, this is your cue, That's Pam. Right. Is it so Pam, <laughs> tell us about how how uh, how you're living out sure. that and working. Um, my role in that in the company and the work is to do the finances, which is something I never did before. Um, I was a teacher when we lived here in Norman, so accounting would have been helpful somewhere along the way, but I've learned. And uh, so I do all the books for um, the government of our country where we live and then also back to the U.S. Um, my other ways that I live out my life would be just like yours through local church uh, fellowship involvement, uh, Bible studies, helping lead worship. Um, things that we can do through through the local church. And then out of that, a group of women began a ministry a few years ago to um, trafficked women who've been trafficked in the sex industry into Cyprus. And we have a secondhand shop that generates funds for a flat where we can house them when they come out of the government shelter. And then we also have a drop-in center for women and children in need. And my involvement has become with the, the flat where we, or apartment where we house the girls. And this year, it expanded. The government asked us if we could take underage Somali refugee girls. When they turn 18, they have to come out of the government shelter, and they have no place to go, and they're not prepared to live there. And I don't know when we've had such an influx, but there are 50-something underage Somali girls living in our town. And uh, so we are now housing seven at a time. We have beds for seven. And I think the greatest thing that um, God's used in my life is just uh, being a mom because that's what those girls need, to be loved on and to, to be taught and to be treated just like we would treat our own daughters. Amen. We're called to go. We're called to live out our faith wherever we go, whether it's here, whether it's across the ocean. Uh, we're to be faithful to that task. Steve, I see you've got a, a fulcrum here or something, a seesaw, a teeter-totter, whatever it is. What, what do you want us to do with this? Well, it kind of represents fun and play and recreation, which is what we do in our business. Now, uh, our, uh, when we're working with professional athletes and clubs, we're not using these, but it is representative of, of the interaction. And um, I don't know, why don't we kind of demonstrate how this <laughs> might work? Thanks, Pastor. Steve. This will be memorable regardless of the outcome. Uh, yeah. A couple of former youth ministers playing on the, on the platform, huh? 
sort of. I don't know. Watch a pastor. Oh, yeah, let me get over here, huh? Yeah. And see if it works. I think it's on your side. I don't know. What do you think? I don't uh, know. <laughs> All right. It works. Um, this isn't being live streamed, is it? <laughs> we hope not. <laughs> uh, besides being a. a, a f- <laughs> Besides for play and being a, a seesaw, it, it's actually a, a lever and, and fulcrum, which is used for work. And in the third century, the uh, great mathematician Archimedes explained how it could be used effectively for work. Mm-hmm. And if um, he demonstrated that if you move the fulcrum closer to the load, um, <clears throat> that it's... <laughs> what load are you talking about? <laughs> that it's easier to do work. Um, We'll demonstrate that. All right. Take care. All right, take care. All right, Faith, ready? Okay. All right. And she's got us where in her own strength, she wouldn't be able to do that. But because of this device, she's able to accomplish more than she would in her own strength. And we would like to... Would say that that's kind of how we see our work, that it allows us to, uh, to engage people and to be in their lives and to do more than we could do otherwise. By moving this closer to the load, it's kind of symbolic of, of us moving closer to the front lines, to the needs. And that's true anywhere, isn't it? That mm-hmm. if we find those needs, even here in this community, if we move ourselves into those positions, that God will allow us to do more than we could do in our own strength. Um, I, I guess we would say that the, great, the greatest commandment Jesus said was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's for all of us. Uh, it's not for any special group of people. It's not for clergy. It's not for people who grow cross-culturally. It's God's call on all of our lives. And the Great Commission is that as we go through our life, we are to show and share the message of transformation that Christ has made in our lives. And so uh, that's what we want to live out through our work, and that's our encouragement to everybody here that we love at First Baptist. The theme was give thanks for the nations, and I've been thinking about that. Why give thanks for the nations? And I think it's because, uh, from our experience, we would say because you get to see a bigger picture of who our God is when you work with other cultures, because it expands who we see him to be. It expands our understanding of his creativity, of his love for all peoples, Um, It teaches us patience, and it teaches us how to love when things aren't easy exactly as he's loved us. And then when you finally get to worship with people from the nations, there's nothing that will prepare us more for eternity and for what gives God the greatest glory and the greatest joy and thus us the greatest joy than to see that happen. And that's why the nations are important to us and should be important to you and why we can give our God thanks for the nations. In demonstrating how moving the fulcrum closer to the load, and you can do even more than thought possible, Archimedes, that Greek mathematician in the third century, said, if you give me a lever long enough and a place to stand, I can move the earth. That's what we want to do, move the world. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Stephen Pam, for sharing with us.
It's, we'll leave it right there. Yes. Church, we celebrate the nations. We read in Scripture today from the book of Revelation this beautiful picture of eternity one day when people from every tribe, every nation, every tongue will gather around the throne to worship. And that will be a glorious, glorious day. But also, as we have read in Scripture today, as we've heard testimony, we must go. We must go and share the good news. What a powerful illustration we have seen today about finding the place to stand in this world. We are all, all called to stand next to the load. We're all called to position ourselves somewhere near the load so that the good news of Christ can be shared, so that the work of the kingdom can be done. And yet too often, many of us want to put ourselves down here. And if you know, if you have a load on this end and the fulcrum's down here, you, you, can't, you can't budge it. You can't budge the load. And too often we gather in our holy huddles, in our holy communities, without a sight and a vision for the rest of the world. And we, we get frustrated because we can't budge the load. It's because we're not standing in the right place. We need to, as a church, understand the call to go and to stand and to position ourselves where the need is. Where the need is in our community. Where the need is in our workplace. Where the need is in our schools. Even in our homes and our families. Where is the need? Where is the hurt? Where are the people crying out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It's in that place that we need to stand. So that the good news of Christ can be shared. So that the work of the kingdom can be done. Church. There is still much work to be done. Yes, it's to be done in all these places and all among all these people, all the nations of the world. But it's also to be done in this place as well. So this morning with the, the testimony and the, and, and the uh, sharing of Stephen Pam and how they've been blessed to go into the nations and to work and to encourage and to to consult and to talk about what motivates them. I ask the same question for each of us. Where will you stand? Where will you stand so that you too can be a part of the work of celebrating the nations and of seeing this vision that one day every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. As we gather around the throne, people from every tribe, every language, every nation, celebrating and worshiping the one who is worthy. This morning, as we stand, as we sing in just a few moments, it's, a, it's an opportunity to reflect on this truth. It's an opportunity to ask yourself the question, where am I standing? Is, is God preparing me to, to move somewhere else to be closer to the load for the work of the kingdom? What's God doing in my life that I can support and celebrate the nations and peoples of the world and the good news that Christ has to share with them? As we sing, you be faithful. You reflect. How can you give? How can you pray? And how can you go, whether it's across the street or across the world? Let's stand. Let's sing together.